Good morning. You guys got space? Kind of. It's all right. That's the way family is, right? Just packed house, packed hearts. I feel good today. How about you guys? I'm happy to be continuing our series on legacy. It's good to see you guys who are here. So many people are here, people from out of town. My, uh, my little brother is here, Spencer Phillips. How many of you guys remember Spencer? Some of you guys are not even a part of our community when Spencer was here working for the church. And, uh, you know, he moved home how long ago? Over a year ago? I was like, that's not the will of God at all. Uh, but then he met Molly. And so now we know it is God's will because look how beautiful they are together and how, and, and how lovely Molly is herself. If you guys don't mind, can you stand up, please? I just want to honor y'all. Let's give them a big hand. Um, thank you, guys. This is my future sister-in-law, Molly, and uh, she's awesome. And so I'm happy that you guys are here because I hope you're getting a preview of, of the next season that God's calling you into. Um, see a picture. Nashville. So. <laughs> no, don't tell my dad I said that publicly. I'll be in trouble. And my grandmother would, uh, would, would be able to testify to that. And that's because my grandmother is here today. Uh, so my granny, Benita Phillips, is here uh, this morning. So happy you're here, granny. Yes, she is her. Um, she is her. Hey, uh, granny, how often did you butter up Pop-Tarts for me with chocolate milk as a kid? Have y'all had that yet? Some of you guys went home and tried it. I, I told a story about you, Granny, about how when I was a kid, how spoiled I was and how, how much good care you took of me. And so I was telling them about the buttered Pop-Tarts and the uh, Mickey Mouse pancakes that nobody else was allowed to have except for me. And then as I got older, I figured out she was making buttered, buttered Pop-Tarts and Mickey Mouse pancakes for everybody. And I was like, what? I thought I was the one. Oh, I'm, what's that? I was the first. Well, that, sorry, Spence. Um, <laughs> I like that. Spence said, uh, well, your ceiling is my floor. And so I appreciate that. Um, like that. See what happens when you get raised in the church? You got like a strong spiritual comeback for anything. <laughs> And uh, uh, Spence, come here just for a second. I, I want you to give this mic to Granny. Granny, I want you to pray for us real quick. Um, just, you know, we're in this series on legacy right now. And, and uh, you know, I thought, you know, my Granny's here. And, you know, really, she's the reason why I'm alive. And uh, just pray for us. Dear Lord. We ask you to bless this congregation. I ask you to make a special blessing on the pastor, 
which is my grandson, which I'm very, very proud of. The song, The Miracles, I know God performs miracles because there has been a miracle in his life. And we just ask this all in your name. Amen. All right, well, it's the end of me. <laughs> All right. Well, that's good. So, yeah. We're going to read from Matthew chapter 26 today. <laughs> Granny, thank you for praying for us. Uh, when I said that, you know, Granny's the reason why I'm alive, I didn't, you know, I didn't say that because she's my grandmother, um, although that's true. Uh, but because long before I was walking with Jesus, I was um, a terrible person. I'll be honest with you guys. Some of you guys know my testimony, but I was a drug addict, an alcoholic, just depressed, oppressed, possessed, no doubt. And, uh, you know, I knew my granny was praying for me. And there were times I contemplated taking my own life. And in those moments, I would remember my granny. And I just thought to myself, you know, there's no way I could do that because that would hurt my granny's feelings. So just don't discount the prayers of a praying mama and if you're in here today and your kids are far from God, do not discount the prayers of a praying mother. Uh, God listens to uh, a mama's prayer just a little bit differently. And um, that's what I believe anyway. Because you just can't out, you cannot outrun the prayers of a praying woman. Let me tell you, a woman that prays is hell's worth nightmare. Hey, listen, if I need some intercession, I ain't calling no dude. That's a, that's, no, true story. And you guys are laughing because you know it's facts. Look, if I need some prayer, I ain't calling no man. Because a man be like, I, yeah, I'm, I'm pray for you. I'm going to keep you in prayer. God, strengthen them. Bless them. Be with them. Right? Pray for you. But see, you get a praying woman. A woman won't let go until heaven responds. Let me tell you, a praying woman is hell's worst nightmare. A praying woman will wake up at midnight and pray for you. A praying woman may wake up at 4 a.m., put in an extra hour before they do a double shift. Y'all think I'm playing. This is serious right now. You are where you are today because somebody loved you. And chances are that's probably your mama or your grandmama or some praying woman that got you right where you are today, sitting in this seat, worshiping Jesus, acknowledging him as God. And so uh, if you haven't yet, just go ahead and, you know, text one of them special women when you leave here today because I can guarantee you that they have had breakthrough and impact in your life through their spiritual service to God. And if you can testify to that, just say amen. amen. That's the truth.
So if you need prayer, text Allison. <laughs> just kidding. Text me too, but it's just women. Y'all got something different, man. Y'all got something special, something awesome, something courageous. You ever notice any time an angel shows up in the Bible to a man, it says that he fell on the ground like a dead man. It's true. Angel shows up to a woman, Mary, here I am, Lord. So be it unto me according to your word. You got a prophet of God, this man curled up in the fetal position. Begging God to take his life. You got an unwed pregnant teenager. Let's go. You know? <laughs> it's, a different, it's a different thing, man. It's a different anointing. So if you're sitting next to a woman, say thank you. Thank you. Don't forget that. All the married men in here, I just did y'all a big favor. So enjoy that Sunday afternoon nap. Matthew 26. Verse 6 through 13. Man, it, you see, you take your wives to church, it'd be good for your sex life. Let them get filled up with love. See if your relationship don't improve. That's free. Yeah. I hear a few newly married men in here say, that's good. That's good right there. Yeah, that's good. It's good, Pastor. Keep on preaching. Matthew 26, verse 6 through 13. We're going to read a story of a special woman. Um, she's an unknown woman. Her name is left out of history. This is not the story of John chapter 11. I want to be very clear. John, John chapter 11 is a different story outlining a different moment in the lifestyle of Jesus before he was crucified as Mary, uh, the sister of Lazarus, um, anointed Jesus. So this is a different woman. Matthew 26, verse 6 through 13 says, Now when Jesus was at Bethany in the house of Simon the leper. Everybody say, Simon, Simon was, a was a Pharisee. It's important to know. And a woman, everybody say, a woman. No description, no details given, just a woman. Came up to him with an alabaster flask, a very expensive ointment. And she poured it on his head as he reclined at table. And when the disciples saw it, they were indignant, saying, Why this waste? For this, kept, this could have been sold for a large sum and given to the poor. But Jesus, aware of this, said to them, Why do you trouble the woman? For she has done a beautiful thing to me. For you always have the poor with you, but you will not always have me. In pouring this ointment on my body, she has done it to prepare me for burial. Truly, I say to you, wherever. Everybody say Nashville. 2018. 
this gospel is proclaimed in the whole world. What she has done will also be told in memory of her. This moment of this unknown woman gave way to a memory that we're recollecting this morning. So let's, wow. We can all collectively just say, wow, what a woman, huh? So today I want to really teach uh, from the subject of your love is your legacy. Your love is your legacy. My granny prayed, so I'll keep it short, as a man would do. In Jesus' name, bless the word. Amen. 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 So let's look at this story a little bit and really just set a stage for what is happening um, here. Um, also, um, Isaac Middleton is here from the Send and just, I want to say I honor you, brother. Uh, we don't even really know each other, but I know you're dropping into Nashville. He's a part of the Send. I just want to bless you and your bride. Thank you guys for coming. Uh, how many of you guys have heard of the Send? Awesome. So we need to be praying for you. In fact, when we close, man, we're just going to pray over the Send. How's that? That's good. All right, come on. So let's set the stage of what's happening here is that you've got Simon, who is a leper, who is also a Pharisee. And uh, how many of you guys know that Pharisees are another term in the Bible days for someone who is extremely religious? Yeah, he's a very religious person. And so he's hosting a dinner party. He has invited a very anti-religious prophetic person into a very religious environment into the home of a Pharisee. And they have finished up eating their food because the Bible says that he is now reclining at the table. And now that he is reclining at the table, we see a woman burst in. She pours an alabaster flask full of oil out at his feet upon his head. She weeps over his feet and she wipes uh, his feet, the tears on his feet away with her hair. We see this amazing Amazing thing happened. And what Jesus responds with after having this experience is he says, wherever the gospel of the kingdom is preached, there will be a memory of this moment. I know that it's tough for us to latch onto, but we are constantly having moments. They might be seemingly insignificant, like a routine Sunday morning, but those moments lead to memories that lead to legacies. And when Jesus says this memory is going to be shared, the Greek word here is the word memorial. So it's actually building something in the spirit. It's actually establishing something in the spirit. It's actually creating something that can be looked back on. And a memory that jogs a moment that releases an atmosphere that inspires other people for generations to come. What Jesus was saying is this moment, this memory, this memorial... This is a legacy moment right now. This is a moment of legacy for an unknown woman, but it will be remembered forever. How is it that an unknown woman leaves an eternal memory? But that's the nature of this moment. This woman, which in this day and age, women were not looked at in the same way that they are today. He's in the house of a Pharisee. And so she, she, she understands there is a risk involved in approaching Jesus with her love. 
She's ready to pour her love out on Jesus, but she has to understand there is a risk involved. I, I am a woman, but I refuse. I refuse to stay where I am. I refuse to stay in my place. I refuse to just stay in my old confines of my old function, my old identity. I know that Jesus is in the room and I don't know how much longer he's gonna be in this room. How did she even know that Jesus was there? How did she even know that Jesus would welcome her in? We don't know. Maybe she'd heard testimonies. Maybe she'd heard other stories. Maybe she was standing at the back of the room whenever Jesus preached the gospel. We don't know. But whatever it was that motivated her to get there, she had to know, man, I gotta pour my love out on this guy. I don't know how much time he has left. Maybe she had heard the prophecies that he was soon to be crucified and she jumped at her moment. This is something, if you're going to leave a legacy, this is something that you're going to have to do. You're going to have to, you know, I, I hate to be cliche, but you know, you're going to have to carpe diem, man. Right? You're going to have to seize the moment. You're going to have to recognize that there is a moment, that moment being today. There is a moment in history where you have the opportunity to walk away from where you are, to walk away from where you've been, and walk into God with all the love that you've got for him. This is where leaving a legacy starts. And if you're going to leave a legacy, you're going to have to leave some things behind. And you make some notes if you'd like. I got five points today that I'm going to share with you. But if you're going to leave a legacy, you're going to have to leave some things behind. Number one, selfishness, <laughs> right? Self-centeredness, superficial living. See what legacy is. It's, legacy is your future self, if I can say that, calling out to you in the present and saying, here is your potential. <laughs> here is what's possible. This is your legacy calling out to you from the future. Legacy is a wake-up call that quickens our spirit and frees us from superficial living. Because when we wake up to the reality that we all leave a legacy, we, we wake up and we recognize that I've got to leave some things behind. I've got to stop living for myself and I've got to start living for God. For most people, they have a moment of legacy where they hear the sound of legacy uh, when they get married. How many of you guys thought you were, you know, free from selfishness and that you were pretty generous and then you got married? You guys know what I'm talking about? Uh, or maybe you just, once you settled into marriage and you're like, man, I got this thing down pat. Like I'm pretty preferring and I'm And then you had kids. And then you really got in touch with your self-centeredness, didn't you? You really got in touch with your selfishness. I mean, you order Chick-fil-A and you hope that your kid doesn't ask for a nugget. Dad, what you got? Nothing. Dad ain't got nothing. You guys know what I'm talking about. But that's the nature of legacy, man. Ne legacy says this. It's better to leave a name than to make a name. And when you hear the call of legacy that says, hey, man, it's not about making a name. It's not about adding up a value that an accountant can tally. It's about leaving something of value to the next generation that's going to live far beyond your life in itself. And in order to leave a legacy, there are just some things that you're going to have to leave behind. And that is when the shift starts. It's when you say to yourself, what I'm going to leave behind is selfishness. I'm going to leave behind self-centeredness. I'm going to leave behind living for myself, and I'm going to step into living for God. And really, that's one of the most simple questions that you can ask yourself on any given day. Am I living for myself or am I, or am I living for God? Am I living for myself or am I living for God? Because when you stop living for God and start living for yourself, then you put a block on your transformation. 
And if you're, if you're thinking to yourself, man, well, I don't know if I'm growing. Well, are you living for yourself? Or are you living for God? Because he will steward growth in your life. And this is where legacy starts, is when you leave behind living for yourself. And that's what I think this woman did. She said, nope, I'm moving forward. I've got to go. I've got to go up. I've got to talk to Jesus. So you got Jesus, you know, he's reclining. You got the religious people who are sitting there and you've got this woman who's on her way in. And I can only imagine that, the, that, that one of the things that she had to think was, but I'm a woman. They didn't look at women too favorably in this day and age. They may have said, hey, you be quiet. You're unseen. You're unknown. Your name is not even in the history books. We don't need to hear from you. Stay out of the house. We don't want anything to do with you. You're unworthy. The identity of this woman is completely unknown, and yet she did not allow her limitations to define her legacy. If you're taking notes, that's point two. If you're going to leave an amazing legacy, you cannot allow your limitations to define your legacy. You cannot allow the limitations of what society says that you are to define how people remember you. Because although they might be able to put the brakes on so many things that could happen in your life, they cannot stop you from loving. No matter who says what, no matter who does what, no one can stop you from loving and your love is your legacy. This woman walked into the room and said, nope, I'm not going to allow these limitations to define my legacy. Not only was she a woman, I mean, if you read this story in Matthew, which we did, Matthew 26, there's really not a lot of information about the woman. It just says that she's a woman. But if you read it in Luke, then Luke gives a little bit more description uh, to the woman. And what he says about the woman is that she is a sinful woman. And if you look at the commentaries and you read through the history and you get a little bit of info about what that means to be a sinful woman in this context, it means that she was a woman of the night. She was a prostitute. She sold herself for income. That's what she did. That was her occupation. That was her career path. And so whenever she was approaching the house to talk to Jesus, it wasn't just the limits of being a woman that she had to confront to leave a legacy. It was the limits of her sin that she had to confront in order to leave a legacy. You are not going to leave a great legacy so long as you overlook small sin. You can't tolerate it. But so many times people say, man, just a little bit, it's all good. Like, I'm just gonna take a little break. I know I have a legacy, but I got plenty of time left in my life. I'm only 22 years old. See, here's point three. If, if you want to be proud of the legacy you're leaving, you've got to confront how you're living. If you want to be proud of the legacy you're leaving, you've got to confront how you're living. And how you're living means not just some macro perspective, like, oh, it's, I've been a pretty good person this year. I mean, I didn't kill anybody. I didn't rob anybody. You know, I'm a pretty good upstanding member of society. I voted, you know, like I did pretty good. But see, what happened in this woman's life was just a moment. It was just a moment. And see, where character is actually revealed is not in the macro, it's in the momentary. It's in the small decisions that we get to make day to day. It's in the small moments of time when nobody else is looking and there's a stack of money there at our job. Well, you know, they probably wouldn't miss 40 bucks. You know, I could, with 40 bucks, they'd get me over the hump, I'd buy those shoes I wanted. Or, you know, man, I work here, man, they don't need all these extra ketchups and snacks and all these things. I'm just going to take them all, put them in my apron. 
Oh, that, that was too, hit too close to home. Okay, my bad, my bad. Uh, yeah. Man, they probably don't need these materials. They probably don't need these supplies. I'm just gonna go ahead and take these. Man, I shouted on Sunday. I worshiped. Everybody knows I'm spiritual. And then, you know, Sunday night, man, what you got on TV? Ah, it's fine. Game of Thrones, season one. Dang. Dang. People kept telling me about it. I tried to watch it. Man, that's softcore porn. Like, really? I, yeah, I, knew, I knew I wouldn't get that many amen. I knew I would. It's okay. It's all good. Hey, it's all good. It's okay. It's okay. It's cool. 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 <laughs> We're good. We're good. We're good. We're good. I don't know what you watch, but you do. So, I mean, if that... You know what I'm saying? So... Yeah, I'm, I'm sorry, y'all. Psych. Not totally not. Totally not. Um... But that's when character is forged, that's when character is formed, and that's when character is revealed. It's in the moments. It's in the moments. And let me tell you something, moments will keep you out of the room of legacy. It will keep you out of the moment where you'll be remembered. It'll just be one small compromise. You know, I grew up in Kentucky and where people shoot and hunt and fish and they do lots of things. They wear a lot of camo, okay? I don't, I don't own any. But I know that I've, because I've watched people shoot, you know, a bow, a bow and arrow, See, I don't even know the proper terms. It's archery. I'm just, it's, okay. So like, but here's what I know. Is that if you talk to somebody about trying to hit the bullseye, they'll tell you that, man, even if you just move just a little bit, just a millimeter, just a little tiny little bit, it will affect where that arrow lands. So if you want to hit a bullseye with your legacy, you're going to have to be aiming properly way back here in your teens, way back here in your 20s, way back here in your 30s. Oh, I got plenty of time. Well, how much correction you want to do to your course on the way there? It's going to take you a lot of work. You know, God might heal you, might do something supernatural in a moment, but where you aim matters because it's going to determine the course of your legacy. And I know some people say, man, I'm going to take a time out on my calling. Really? For what? Well, I got to make some money, man, trying to hustle. I, I hear it all the time. I get it, man. Grace can take you so much further than hustling can. If, if, if hustling was what was going to get you the greatest legacy, man, heaven would be a sweatshop. Right? But, but what happens when you get to heaven? He said, enter into my rest. That helps some of y'all. I felt it. That helps some of y'all. That helps some of you guys. Some of you guys wake up at 4.30 a.m. and put so much pressure on yourself to get to work because of what Instagram is prophesying to you. Right? Man, I got hustle. I got hustle. Well, there's enough grace to get done what needs to get done today. There's a portion, a daily bread that's available for each and every one of us. We all got the same amount of time and we all had the same bread available so see now I'm on some rabbit trails I got to get back the point is when we make small compromises and make big changes down the road and if you want to leave a legacy you're going to have to confront how you're living 
What's in your life today that you would not be proud of showing up in your daughter's life tomorrow? What's in your life today that you would not be proud of that shows up in your grandson's life in, in two generations? I mean, what are the, the fights that the enemy has come against you with that you're going to overcome, that you're going to stand up against, that you're not going to compromise in, and you're going to say, nope, I'm not just defeating this for myself and for my own heart and for my own emotions, but I'm defeating this for my lineage. This is not just about my legacy and how I'm remembered. This is from my lineage and how my kids live and how their grandkids live. And I'm going to shift their perspective on money. I'm not going to let them walk with a spirit of poverty. I'm going to shift their perspective on church. And I'm going to go because it's important. A pastor friend of mine, he said, you know, a lot of people say church is not important. And I hear what they're saying because they grew up in church. So maybe for them, it doesn't feel that important because they got churched. They got Sunday schooled. So they know a lot of the basic Bible principles and fundamentals of faith. And so they don't go to church and so they don't take their kids to church. And maybe, maybe their kids become Christians because they get a little bit more in the home than they would at the church. But, but sure enough, their grandkids won't be. So removed. So what do you want your legacy to be? Maybe that's the question that I'm asking here in point three. You gotta confront how you're Living, you got to confront where you're looking. Are, are you looking in the direction of cash or are you looking in the direction of Christ? You know, that's important. Because if the woman was looking in the direction of her career, then she would have stayed in the brothel. But she was looking in a different direction. She was looking in the direction of love. And because she was looking in the direction of love, she had to cast off her limitations. She said, let me get to Jesus. And she got to the door, and no doubt when she got to the door, she had to be confronted with the reality that she was a sinner stepping out of a brothel, living the life of a prostitute or an adulteress or whatever else would have got her stoned by the religious people. I mean, it's only been a few chapters before that those same religious people brought a woman basically doing the same thing in some sense of the word to Jesus and said, let's stone her, let's kill her, let's take her out. And so she had to be thinking, if I don't get to Jesus, if Jesus overlooks me, if Jesus rejects me, if Jesus doesn't acknowledge me or recognize me, these religious people are going to pull me out of this house and they are going to kill me on the spot. So she had to confront that reality. And, and here's point four. What you believe, you'll leave. A.W. Tozer said, what we believe about God is the most important thing about us. And what you believe about God will determine what you believe about yourself. And what you believe about yourself will determine how your kids feel about themselves. And so this woman had to come to this place where she was preparing to cross over the threshold. And she said, I'm a sinner. I deserve rejection. Will I be rejected? No. I've heard testimonies of this man's great love. I'll be accepted. And so she adopted a different belief system which propelled her into the presence of her legacy. She understood that it wasn't about her unworth. It wasn't about her sin. It wasn't about things that she had done in her past which weren't good. She understood that despite what had happened, Jesus was there to accept her because she would be received as a daughter, not because she was good, but because he was loved. See, that's why it's important that we work on our belief systems. It's why it's important that we're in church. It's why it's important that we receive teaching. It's why it's important we get inner healing. 
Because God wants to restore not only our relationship to him, but also our relationships to each other. And the stuff that we hold on to could actually hold back our legacies. I mean, I get it. They hurt you. That's a bummer. You're offended. But do you want that same offense to show up in your kids? You know how hard it's been to hold that grudge against that person? Do you want your kids to carry that burden to where they grow up feeling like they have to hate a certain individual or a certain type of person or a certain people group? What you believe, you'll leave. That's reality. The woman knew what it was like to make a lust exchange. There's, there's a fear of rejection in that. But she was getting ready to make a love exchange. And in love, there's nothing but acceptance. So come on in here. No fear. No fear of rejection. Just all love. Come on in here. Come on in here. And that's my fifth point, which is big love equals big legacy. Big love equals big legacy. The woman brought not only what she had to Jesus, but she surely brought her best to Jesus. And your best is always what your legacy deserves and what love demands. Your best is what your legacy deserves and what love demands is your absolute best. And that's why she couldn't bring anything else except for this alabaster box to Jesus. Now, what in the world is an alabaster box? I bet you ain't, none of y'all got one of them at home. You know, an alabaster, who even knows what an alabaster box is? I had a Wikipedia. Yeah, you just Googled it? See, I know, it's, it's weird, an alabaster box. I thought the alabaster was the oils. But as it turns out, alabaster is more like a stone, right? It's like marble, it's like a vial. Right, And so this marble-type vial would be sealed by a like concrete, and that's why the Bible says that it was broken over the head and the feet of Jesus is because it's not like it had a cork in it or a screw top or something like that. It's like this stuff was sealed, man, for a very, very special occasion. This ointment that the Bible calls it, these oils, this anointing oil was not something that was just special, to this woman. This was something that was absolutely sacred to this woman. Why was it sacred to this woman? Well, consider what it took for her to buy it. How many times did she have to lay down? How many clients did she have to service? How many moments of pain and disgrace and shame and anger and hurt did she have to go through in order to come by this year's worth of wages, marble box of alabaster? Consider that. Consider the pain required to acquire an alabaster box for this woman. And yet this is what she comes with. She, she brings this alabaster box. That's why it's important for us to consider what it took for her to pour it out at the feet of a stranger she was in love with. Yeah. Come on. I'm gonna pour it out on your head. I'm gonna pour it out on your feet. Yeah. This is important. This is the oil. This is all I got. This is my best. This is exactly what love demands. Well, if you look through Proverbs in the Old Testament where Proverbs is warning us of sexual sin, talking about prostitution, it actually details what prostitutes used fine fragrances and oils like that that were in the alabaster box for. 
They would perfume themselves and perfume their beds with it as to make it an inviting place for new clients. So with these oils that were used, specifically myrrh, which is mentioned in Proverbs chapter seven, they perfumed their bed with the myrrh. So you see, whenever this woman brings this alabaster box, this year's worth of wages, and she pours these oils out at the feet of Jesus, she is not just pouring out some, you know, vegetable oil. She's pouring out her marketing budget. See, this is an asset for her business. This is a resource that she uses as leverage to earn her income. This was the best possible thing, the most sacred thing she had in her position. And this is exactly what love demanded. And this is exactly what legacy deserved. I got to get this. I got to pull that from the mantle because this is my best. And I know that he loves me and I know what I've heard and I've listened to the testimonies and I've heard the sermons from a distance. So I'm going to get my best. See, a big legacy is only left by big love. Oh man, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bring this. This is what I'm going to take to Jesus. This is what I'm going to break over his head. This is what I'm going to break over his feet. This is what I'm going to anoint him with. This is what I'm going to share, share, share with him because this is what love demands. I got to tell you guys, one time I was in Uganda and uh, it was early on, early on. Uh, I was traveling with a guy named Jonathan Suber, uh, one of my pastors. And we went over there to preach at this big crusade. And it was awesome, man. Like thousands and thousands of people that were there and just a sea of people getting saved and healed and delivered. And it was awesome. It's an amazing time in life. But just before they took us to the meeting place to preach the gospel, they said, we got one place that we want to take you guys. Just a real quick, short stop. Just want a, a place to minister. And we had done some other things on this trip that were pretty crazy, but I was not prepared for this. They took us down this small alleyway and we were walking. And I started thinking, man, where are we? It's, it's real dirty in here. It's nasty. It doesn't feel safe. I don't know where I'm headed. And we're turning corners and we get to this room. And as we walk into this house, start, we start to notice there's some people coming out. It's a, three or four guys are coming out. And then we stand here in this courtyard. And as we stand in this courtyard, women start to emerge from these different rooms. And then I start to understand where we are. This guy who had helped from time to time, these ladies with some food and things like that for their children that were living in this brothel with them, had brought us here to minister, to preach the gospel and to pray for the sick in this brothel. So some of these women affected HIV and we're there. We have the opportunity to share. You know, we share a little testimony. We start to pray for people. We ask who wants to get saved. People's hands go up. Women start to raise their hand. They want to give their love. They want to give their life. They want to shift their legacy uh, to Jesus. Then we finish with the worship song and it's a cappella, and we teach it to them and they sing it. And we say, hey, if you want, you, we're coming to this meeting. We don't know how you would feel about being in the room with a bunch of religious people. But look, we're going to tell you, we're not going to kick you out. You're going to be invited in. We'd love to have you as a part. So if you'd like to show up, feel free. Now, honestly, I mean, had they shown up or not shown up, we never would have known because there was such a big room. And so many people. But at the end of the service, the pastor said, you know, we're going to do something different today. A lot of times missionaries will come and they'll give, but we're going to give to you guys. We're going to receive an offering for you guys that came all the way from around the other side of the world to be with us and to share the gospel with us. We said, no, it's okay. You don't have to do that. Our church already paid for everything. They said, no, we, we insist. And we're not even going to pass the buckets. We're going to sit you guys right here and we're going to have people march by and they're going to drop some money in the bucket. 
of course you know what I mean when you see people from another nation like Uganda some of the poverty that you know they live in some of the clothes that you see them wearing coming to church in and them watching them drop shillings into a bucket for your offering what how undeserving what no just keep it here take it all back you know that's what we're thinking we're sitting there and I'm looking at him he's looking at him I'm like oh my gosh this is wow this is too much and then guess who comes to the line all the women from the brothel that had just been saved and received Jesus and they got money and they're you know they're doing their dance I don't know if you've ever been in an African church where they give offerings and they're smiling and they come through and instead of putting the money in the bucket they put the money in our hand and I'm like no and, and Super turned to me and with tears in his eyes i actually never forget this it was a moment you, get, you guys get what I'm stressing here it was a moment that created a memory that leads to a legacy I don't know any of those women's names but you know about them now who knows who you're going to preach to who knows who that small little decision of that unknown woman who was considered to be a dirty person, a prostitute, an exile from society, one decision and how that legacy will be left and what happens in this room and beyond. I'll never forget the moment when Super looked over, he had tears in his eyes and I didn't even think about this and he said, consider what it cost them to give in this offering. They have one way of earning their income. So consider consider that as you get that money put into your hand for doing something that for you was a delight preaching the gospel sharing sharing love and that feels undeserving you feel undeserving of that what I can't take this money can you imagine that maybe even that's what Jesus was thinking when this woman was pouring that oil out over his head? The Bible says that in that oil was, was spikenard. Spikenard comes from India. There was no FedEx back then. You know how hard it was to get nard from India to Israel? And a whole pound of it? Also says there was myrrh in there. I know it's easy today because we can just order it from Young Living or whatever. Amazon, you know wherever back then man they had to travel pound of it pound of nard and it's a, this is expensive man and he starts putting it on Jesus starts putting it on Jesus she cries at the feet she, she loves Jesus she's loving Jesus she's pouring out Jesus and Jesus is there and he's receiving it and of course as you know the disciples they get upset so the Bible says they became indignant See, radical love always causes religious people to get upset. Abandoned love always causes the people who think they got it figured out to get offended. <laughs> but that's what she came with. This is illogical. This is unreasonable. This makes no sense. Nope. Didn't make any sense at all. That kind of love doesn't make any sense. Giving a year's worth of wages is illogical. Pouring out 
your, everything you got that cost you just about everything you got to pour it out on the dirt over top of somebody's feet. That's unreasonable. But see, it's only unreasonable amounts of love that's going to leave you the legacy you're dreaming of. It's when you get illogical with your love. It's when you get abandoned with your love. It's when you stop, you know, divvying out your love and little measures as people earn it. Jesus is not remembered because, you know, he just gave a little bit of goodness to people as they deserved it. But even while we were enemies of God, he was up on the cross, stretched out wide and bled his last for you and I. Before you could earn it, before you took a breath, before you did anything wrong and before you ever did anything right, he said, this is going to be my legacy. It's going to be my love that I'm going to pour out freely and abundantly to anybody and everybody. And I can promise you this, the legacy that you're looking to leave looks like indignant, crazy, aggressive, impassioned, emboldened, weird, crazy, aggressive, you gonna get this love type of, (laughs) you guys get what I'm saying? Like you're just giving it to people. Everybody's getting love. Cause all that legacy really is, is the overflowing of love into the next generation. That's what legacy is. It's the overflow of love into the next generation. Legacy is the overflow of love into the next generation. Legacy, we have to define all of our core values. Family, it's where you're loved into your purpose. Legacy is the overflow of love into the next generation. You are where you are because somebody loved you. No, you're not self-made. I'm sorry to tell you. I'm sorry to bust your bubble. You didn't do it all by yourself. You are where you are because somebody loved you. I am where I am because somebody made me butter Pop-Tarts. So deal with that. Jesus said, stop the hating. Quit it, religious people. Leave them alone, religious people. Leave them alone, people who are trying to hold them back from the legacy I have for them. Zip it, stop. Nope. Nope. I don't want to hear anything from you. This is my child right here. This is my daughter. This is my son. I see that they're bringing unreasonable amounts of love to me, but that has got nothing to do with you. If you got something to say, be quiet. I love how God will defend you when what you're doing looks unreasonable to others. Nope, leave her alone. Don't touch her. This is a memorial. This is a legacy. This is love. Wherever the gospel's preached, they ain't going to remember your name, but they're going to remember this moment. They ain't going to remember about the menu, but they're going to remember this woman. This is what's most important. Jesus breathed that oil in, and he says, leave her alone because what she's done for me is a beautiful thing. A beautiful thing. A beautiful thing. Takes a deep breath. He he smells. He smells that that spikenard. You know, medically, spikenard is there to uplift, encourage. It deals with anxiety. That's what that's what nard is for. That's what it does medically for you. 
that statement has not been evaluated by the USDA. Because I think that's illegal. But I'm just, I'm just saying, Jesus, he breathed it in and he said, I'm uplifted. But in at the same breath, he also, he also smelled myrrh, which myrrh is not used to uplift or encourage. Myrrh is used to embalm. Myrrh is a preparation for death. And Jesus was very familiar with myrrh and not because he had just diffused it the night before. He was familiar with myrrh because his friend Lazarus had just come out of the tomb a couple chapters previous, hopping out in his mummy clothes, smelling like myrrh, smelling like an embalmed body. Jesus knew what was happening, which is why he could say, she has anointed me for my burial. I smell like myrrh. I smell like death right now. But that's been coupled with the nard of encouragement. And so although I will go in the tomb, just like Lazarus, I'm going to smell like that man. I'm going to get up out of the tomb, just like Lazarus, in three days. This love is leaving me my legacy. This random unknown woman has encouraged me to the cross. This woman who was a prostitute and living in sin and terrible and ugly and bad and all the things that society had to say about her was what got Jesus to his assignment. It only takes a moment to leave a legacy. So with that, I want to encourage you guys and have you stand. We're going to pray now. Just lift your head up towards heaven. Close your eyes for a minute, please. And uh, just receive, just for a moment, just receive the grace and the love that's present. If you're in here today, you want to receive Jesus. You're far from God. You're lost. You're living in sin. You know you need to be redeemed by the blood of Jesus. I just want to ask you, just lift up your hand right now. Real quick, real quick. Everybody's eyes are closed. Awesome. See you. Awesome. I see you. Great, amazing, see you, awesome, see you guys, awesome, amazing, great. All right, right now in the name of Jesus Christ, I thank you for the grace that's been made available right now in this moment for the five folks that have lifted their hand this morning. And we pray for them and we pray with them right now. Lord Jesus, forgive me of my sin. Free me of my shame by your blood purify me here I am I am accepted by you I receive you I am redeemed by you I am brand new fill me with the Holy Spirit and your holiness 